With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. Day three in a row of our spit take initial reaction to everything the New York Jets are doing on every different day of the NFL draft. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined today for the first time by one of our newer writers who's been cranking out uh, a ton of great content for us, including a few different articles over the past few days. Joe Bellick, his first time on the TOJ podcast. We're going to talk about the six new players the New York Jets added to their roster today, uh, one of which... Uh, was a veteran defensive back Quincy Wilson uh, through a trade with the Colts, but we'll get to that as that was the Jets' last move of the day. Uh, If you have not yet, we dropped another episode on this feed this morning talking about the day two picks. We dropped an episode on this feed two days ago talking about Makai Becton, and now we're going to round it out talking about the day three picks today. Of course, we'll have further episodes on this feed because we have a long offseason to dive deep into all these individual players and we will have our full draft grades with Connor Rogers on our Badlands feed at turnonthejets.podbean.com probably Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Initial thoughts Joe how are you feeling about the haul the Jets are walking away with specifically today on day three? Um, I think they did pretty good overall so far the overall draft like a B and a B plus you know a strong opening with Beckett and Bims that trade essentially moving down 11 spots, still getting their guy, and adding two fourth-round picks and a sixth in 2021. That's what I like to call navigating the draft to perfection. And just being able to add those extra picks here in day three, I think it was a really great move by Joe Douglas. So round four, which is where we'll kick off, the Jets go three straight offensive players, kicking it off with a running back. And we had a feeling they were probably going to address running back at some point in this draft. No backup really on the roster right now, although it's probably not unrealistic to think Bilal Powell might come back on a one-year deal. Uh, Le'Veon Bell probably not here after this season. The Jets go with a running back out of Florida, a guy who his athleticism does not quite match up to the first four picks that they made, where they went with guys who I think really jumped off the page as athletes and were more sort of, I don't want to say boom or bust, but high ceiling players, but with potentially a lower floor uh, with their athletic profile. That was not the case with their first pick of the fourth round. Talk through your initial reaction to the direction they went with their first pick. Well, the Jets knew their money back, and I think they got a good one, but I'm not overly excited about the selection either. I mean, he's kind of a safe pick. He has a really high floor, but a pretty low ceiling. I mean, he's a great fit for a zone system, specifically inside zone, which they kind of predominantly run, so that's a plus. And he didn't have post a really great 40-yard dash, but he does have some lateral quickness to get to the edge. 
you know, with that said, his biggest upside is really in the passing game. He caught about 40 balls last season, even being flexed outside or in the slot. And his versatility in the passing game is really the most intriguing part of him. You know, I think at the very least, he could be like a nice third down back or a solid one-two punch with Bell. Yeah, he has a profile that really feels like sort of a long-term, reliable, not flashy, like well-rounded backup running back. Like almost like the next version of what Bilal Powell's been for a long time for the Jets. I think the best part of his game is what he could bring in the passing game. And he catches the football well, not overly explosive, um, not going to be a game breaker, but can he come in and immediately contribute in the passing game and, and spell Le'Veon Bell here or there and then be RB2 uh, for a prolonged period of time. So reasonable value. We knew the Jets were going to address running back. Can debate whether it was the right running back, but hard to get two up in arms over this pick. The next pick of their fourth round, and I'll be open admitting it, I flat out hate this pick, uh, and I generally love what Joe Douglas did all weekend. I'm blaming this. I pick hear on, you. I am blaming this pick on Adam Gase. I've decided it. This was Adam Gase's decision. The Jets, <laughs> the Jets take quarterback in the fourth round, James Morgan from FIU, um, a guy with a comparison to Tom Savage, a guy who completed less than sixty percent of his passes last year, a guy where the it seems that. When I keep reading in every scouting report of him that he grew up near Lambeau Field and was a good leader, that's great. That really has nothing to do with what he does on the field. And look, the Jets, do they need a long-term backup to Sam Darnold? Sure. Um, To do it in the fourth round, to do it with this guy, I'm not sure I'm fully sold. And I would not feel comfortable with him being quarterback number two this year. I would not feel comfortable with David Fales being quarterback number two either. I really hope the Jets have learned from the past two years and go get – a Case Keenum, a Matt Moore, a Joe Flacco, someone who could come in and actually start for a few games and allow them to compete if Sam Darnold goes down. I don't know. This pick wasn't crazy about the timing in the draft with some of the other needs on the roster. Not crazy about the profile of Morgan. Uh, kind of I'm getting some Bryce Petty vibes here uh, a little bit. What were your thoughts on the pick? Yeah, James Morgan. Yeah, that's a pretty savage pick right there. Uh when I saw the Eagles take Jalen Hurts, I said to myself, I hope that's not something Joe learned from Howie that he's going to bring over here. Now, taking Morgan isn't really as egregious as taking Hurts in that spot, but I would have, I would have much rather have gone in a different direction. You know, they need a better backup than Fails, but are we really going to get excited for Morgan if Sam gets hurt? I mean, I think like a Flacco or somebody like that would have been better in my opinion. Not that I want Flacco, if I get me wrong. You know, I will say this, though, about uh, Morgan. He kind of did like stand out to me in passing drills at the combine. And he kind of performed pretty well at the East Ron game, but still, I mean, Jacob Eason went like three picks before. If they really wanted a solid backup, I think they should have taken Eason at 120, possibly even over Pirine. You know, that's how I see it. I mean, I, I'll, but I'll trust, you know, Joe Douglas knows more about this than I do. I don't know, apparently Greg Williams' son was at the East Ron game, was part of the coaching staff. I don't know, maybe he like gave him a seat on the bus or something. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't want uh, Greg Williams' son making our picks. I'm as happy as I went with Greg Williams last year, but yeah, I, I do love that that connection yeah. like, popped up out of nowhere. Like I wonder what happened at the East Drawing Game because, like, this this take was definitely a little perplexing, you know, from my end for sure. You know, so I'm right there with you on that. Next pick in the fourth round, three in a row for offense. Joe Douglas clearly back in the driver's seat here. Uh, going back to the offensive line uh, and adding Cameron Clark from Charlotte. A big old left tackle who's likely to slide inside and play guard at the next level. Most noted for his performance against Clemson last year. 
uh, where he held up really well. And a guy that fits the profile of a development interior offensive lineman who you're hoping could compete for a starting role, maybe not this year, but the year after. This felt much more in line with the general sort of theme of what the Jets are trying to do this weekend, which is build protection and support for Sam Darnold. This was a pick. Uh, so f- at this point of day three was my favorite of the three that they made in round four. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I mean, I absolutely love this pick. I think we both stressed how important it was to bring in someone to compete for a starting job along the interior. And Clark is a great prospect. I mean, team MVP, team captain, super durable. I think he's really a steal in the spot and has a real chance to crack the starting lineup, potentially even this season. I mean, this guy is like, he's a total monster. You know, he plays with a mean streak. He's got great awareness. I mean, I could see him and Beckton like pretty much eating defensive players for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that left side of the line, if he actually plays on that spot, has the potential to be just a dominant force with him and Beckton. And apparently they're good friends, so that can only play in the Jets' favor. Now, I, I know he's a better run blocker than a pass blocker. He needs to be a little bit more patient and maybe, you know, coaching is going to play a role there. But I think his upside is absolutely through the roof. Great awareness, smart guy. And that Clemson game really showed us that, you know, he could pop, probably play at the next level. And, and play well. well. Round five, the Jets grab a pick that universally praised the guy that uh, Connor Rogers on, on our other podcast mocked to the Jets in the third round. And a lot of Jet fans were talking about him as a third round target. Cornerback Bryce Hall, uh, who fell because of injury concerns, but it was really a day two talent. And to get him, you know, this late feels like a big win, particularly at a position of need for the Jets. Even if Hall does not ultimately contribute much, much this year or sort of does the Blasson Austin, where he's out for the first part of the year and then comes in and contributes down the stretch. This just feels like great value at a position in need and the kind of pick that it's very rare that when everybody is kind of chatting up a guy and Hall was just sort of lined up as someone who would be good value on day two or day three at a position in need. And the Jets ultimately end up with him, actually, you know, with one of their later picks. I I was a very big fan of this, you know, Clark. And then Hall back-to-back, really exciting, about as exciting as them starting off with Becton and Mims. Uh, What are your thoughts on Hall, and are you shocked at how far that he fell in this draft? Well, again, I completely agree. Back-to-back, great picks. But this is another player, the other being Davis, the Jets probably wouldn't have had a shot at in a year where teams would have been able to properly evaluate players with injury concerns. So I think this is an absolute steal. I mean, Hall is smart. He's got great awareness. He's not afraid to to lay the wood down in the run game. I mean, he's got really great, solid press technique and does a really good job of crowding receivers in the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's not, he's he's got his great ball skills. He's not the most agile, but he's still a pretty good athlete. And he's extremely hardworking. He's really the kind of high character guy that I think that just Joe Douglas loves. And this is just like you, one of my favorite picks in the draft, an absolute steal in this section of of the draft. And I mean, really just, just amazing. A plus. I mean, it's an A plus pick. The Jets, close out uh, their ninth and final drafted player of the 2020 class with a punter. Uh, second time in the past few years they've drafted a punter We're at the end of the Lachlan Edwards era. They go Braden Mann, who won the award, the Ray Guy Award for the best punter uh, in college football last year, was generally considered the top punter in this class. It's a punter. I'm not going to sit here and break down punting specifics. The Jets did need one. He does seem to be the best guy that was available. So 
look, this is a luxury you have when you have 10 draft picks uh, and have 9, 10 picks next year. Are you surprised the Jets went with a punter? Um, not really. I mean, they need one. And, I mean, when was the last time the Jets had a punter of this caliber? I mean, Tom Tupa, like in 1999, I think he made a Pro Bowl. I think the one before that, I think Curly Johnson was back in the 60s. Um, so, no, I mean, I think he's going to help them. It's all about field position, and he's definitely going to help there. And, I mean, I, I really like this pick. You know, I was pleasantly surprised that Joe Douglas went in this direction. I mean, Lance Sterling even said he could be a top-five punter in the league. And when they made it, I was like, man, you know what? That's my man. Let's do it. You know, I was definitely, definitely down with that thing. We'll take the punter. We'll cheer him on. We're excited for the uh, Pat McAfee videos of him uh, launching 70-yard kicks. Final move, the Jets had a second sixth-round pick. They flip it to the Colts. Not surprising the Colts are a trade partner with Rex Hogan, bouncing back and forth between the two organizations. Quincy Wilson, a guy who, if you remember back to uh, the 2017 draft, a lot of Jet fans wanted instead of Marcus May uh, to kind of round out and be a, you know, a running mate. You know, not alongside Jamal Adams, but in front of him as a corner. Wilson went to the Colts, had some nice moments, but his struggle with injuries, uh, particularly last year. And I like this one a lot. I like Quincy Wilson a lot coming out. I feel like he really was a genuine second-round talent who just hasn't been able to stay healthy and probably has a higher upside than whatever dart throw they would have taken in the back half of the of the sixth round. Uh, what were your thoughts and reaction to the Wilson pick? Yeah, I like Wilson. I mean, he's physical, aggressive. He's super competitive. I mean, he's not the fastest guy. But he definitely makes up for it with, like, pure grit and determination. I mean, yeah, last season, I didn't think he missed about nine games. Um, but he has tremendous upside. And I think this was really just a really great trade on the Jets' part as well. So the Jets wrap up with nine new players added. They trade for Quincy Wilson. We'll see what undrafted free agents come through. And we'll update that on the website. Next year, I believe they will go in, if you put aside potential compensatory picks, nine picks because they'll have the extra one from the Leonard Williams trade. They'll have the extra one from the Pats trade back this year. So a lot of draft capital heading into next year. You look, four offensive players, one special teams player, four defensive players. I probably would have liked to touch more offense, especially since one of those four offensive picks were a quarterback, who I don't really think is ever going to make an impact here. But their first two picks were offense, which weighted a little more heavily uh, in that direction. So look. It's very early. We have a lot of time to dive deeper into these picks. I know, look, I've been, I've been doing and covering these drafts for a long time. Everyone loves every pick of the draft the moment it happens and feels great about the draft class. It's just, I, I was there during the 2015 class. Everyone loved it. Everyone thought it was a home run. Uh, I was there in 2016, 2017, even the Idzik 12. Everyone loved and thought they got great value with everyone. Uh, that being said, it does really feel like in a few spots in particular, Mims, Hall, uh, the Jets got exceptional value, got themselves more swings. They addressed tackle like they needed to at 11. Is it a perfect class? No. I, I wasn't crazy about what they did in the third round. Um, I know everyone loves Davis. I still wasn't crazy about their two picks in the third round. I did not love taking a backup quarterback. Uh, the rest of the class, particularly Becton, Mims, Hall, Clark, I'm particularly excited about. And I, I like the profile of player Joe Douglas was going for. I think he approached the draft in a similar way to how he approached free agency. He took a lot of guys who 
I wouldn't call safe, but have very high upside with their athletic potential. And Becton, Mims, uh, and Davis really kind of highlight that with uh, with their first three picks. And, you know, he's acting like a guy who has a six-year contract. does not have to have a playoff contender on the field next year. And that's okay, because I don't think most of us expect Adam Gase to be the co-chair for all six years that Joe Douglas hopefully is here, if not longer. But generally... Uh, I like the Hall overall. I, I do really feel like they, you know, they got nine play, ten players if you count Wilson, and not perfect, but I feel like when it counted, they got some really good value overall. What, what's your take on the overall class? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think you know, obviously, on right now, we all get we're all really excited, just like you said, when the draft is over, we all feel like they got really good players, and sometimes if they ask themselves, well, you know, why did this player even drop that far? Maybe you know, maybe we were high on him, on him, then than just NFL people were. And so, you know, we don't know how it's going to really play out. But, yeah, I do love it. I love Beckton. They needed to address, you know, offensive line. That was the most pressing issue, and they got him. We needed an outside receiver. They got Mims, the sex receiver, who's like they're going to be a red zone threat. He makes these ridiculous acrobatic catches. I mean, he could probably be a contortionist. I mean, if he doesn't want to play football, he could probably be a surf to Soleil. You know, I really love Dave. I actually really ended up loving the Davis pick, but at first I was perplexing. I was like, are you serious? What's going on safety? But when I realized that, Obviously, Marcus May probably won't be on this team next year. They can't play. They can't pay Adams and May. And it might be a sign that they are going to be willing to invest in him to bring in Davis. He could actually play nickel as well. So I think that he's kind of a really versatile player. And I'm really starting to get sold on him. So Niga, I'm a little questioning, you know, because I would have went Cushenberry there. And I'm questioning, you know, what would have happened if Atlanta had not taken Hennessy with a Jets have opted to take Hennessy there. I really would love to have seen him on the board just to see who the Jets would have opted to take if they still would have taken Zuniga there. Even though he seems the right, you know, situational pass rush, pass rusher, three four outside linebacker, four three defensive end, you know, potential to move inside. All right, I mean, it wasn't my favorite pick. I feel like they could have addressed that a little bit later. And then we went through the other guys, you know, obviously some question marks with you know Morgan. But yeah, overall, wow, they got an outside corner, they got a running back, they got the offensive line that offensive line lineman that many of us really wanted, and really a, a dynamic receiver that I thought honestly was going to probably go in the first round. So. Overall, like I said, I give this about BB plus draft, and I really hope these guys pan out, especially Clark. Just like you, I love that Clark pick. I want to see him next to Beckton on this offensive line, just absolutely mauling people. And that's what I'm, I think I'm more excited about than that than anything this entire draft class. That is going to wrap our back to back to back spit take pods. We will have another uh, few shows on the feed this week as we start diving deeper into all these picks. Uh, one at a time. Thank you, everybody, for following us all weekend uh, on Twitter and on the website. There is an initial reaction uh, to every single player the Jets acquired in the past three days. We'll also have coverage of the UDFAs they add today uh, and tonight, so stay with us for further coverage. And then also make sure to subscribe to Badlands at turnonthejets.podbean.com. Make sure you are following Joe Bellick on Twitter. We will share his info when we publish this episode, which will hopefully go either Saturday night or first thing Sunday morning. Joe, we're in the books, and uh, the Jets have added some talent, and that is always a good thing. Uh, And looking forward to diving into this uh, in the coming weeks. So everyone enjoy uh, your weekend, um, and thank you for listening.